The following is a CA original. Pouncer, the Palm Squad. Pre- and post-game parties on Beale Street. It's all part of the Memphis Tigers basketball game day experience. This is the Tiger Basketball Podcast. What's happening, Tiger basketball fans? We are back for another edition of the Tiger Basketball Podcast. I'm Mark Giannato. Commercial Appeal Sports columnist, I'm joined, as always, by Jason Munns, our Tiger basketball beat writer. This is a this is a first for me, Jason. <clears throat> a podcast recorded ahead of the AAC tournament in which Memphis is on the not just the right side of the bubble, but really, you know, feels like it's uh, in position to make its first NCAA tournament since 2014. Um, Obviously, the Tigers get a yeah. Obviously, the Tigers get your first too. Honestly, very first. yes, very um, first. And you know, I don't know if they were doing podcasts at the Commercial Appeal back in 2014. This might be the first podcast ever in which the Tigers are truly on the cusp of an NCAA tournament uh, bid. But uh, obviously, get a big win over Houston uh, to close the regular season. A, a a blowout win, but also a just uh, cathartic win for everyone involved with the program. Fans, players, Penny Hardaway, his staff, um, given all they've been through this season, given all everyone's kind of this this eight-year odyssey that it's now been um, from the last NCAA tournament appearance uh, under Josh Pastner to today, uh, where the, the Tigers will enter the AAC tournament Friday night against either USF or UCF in the AAC tournament quarterfinals um, with a, you know, with a good shot, probably, you know, probably it'd be, it, it feels like the only scenario that I could invite even that I can envision this turning into a total disaster is if you lost your first game to USF. But um, I, I'm curious as you survey all of this, Jason, what's happened over the last couple of days on Sunday, um, what's about to happen, what's happened over the last month. What was like the, uh, what was the, you think the prevailing emotion you felt, you feel like the fan base feels coming out of Sunday and, and this week? I think it's more than, I mean, like the easy answer would be relief, you know, like I think for, mm-hmm. or, or maybe even, Maybe even some people would feel like it's about time sort of thing, but I don't, I don't think that's it. I I think that by and large, it is um, just like unabashed joy, Um, just glee, really. I mean, like, you know, it's just whatever, whatever, you know, descriptor you can come up with to describe, you know, just, just. I think people are just very, very happy, um, and and I think they they should be uh, because it has been a long time coming, and they've had to they've overcome a lot um, to get to this point, and and yeah, it's it's just it's it's I think that I kind of wrote about it in a story that posted. Uh, we're recording this Tuesday and. And the story posted late Monday, and uh, it, obviously it's still up, so you can still go read it. But it's like I, I, I kind of 
you know, wrote about some of the reminders. It's like, yeah, the last six weeks or whatever it's been where Memphis has won 10 out of 11 and, and they've only trailed for 21 minutes out of a possible 360 in their last nine wins. Um, you know, this dominant run that culminated in, in just a complete annihilation of Houston. Um, you know, that we should, we should, in order to appreciate the triumph, you gotta, you gotta remember the struggles. And, uh, and I think that's kind of where everybody's at right now. Just like, you know, I think everybody's just very, very appreciative of, of, of how far they've come in such a short period of time. Yeah. Um, so let's talk, let's talk Sunday and then we'll get to, um, what Memphis needs, what we think Memphis needs to do in the tournament, the bracketology, and sort of just looking ahead. But I want to look back real quick, Jason, because you know that Houston game wasn't it wasn't a classic game on the court in terms of I mean it was frankly over you know Memphis controlled it from the start. It was never you know yeah. you, you kept thinking Houston might make a run, might make you know might make it a little tense. Never really did. I think only got in the second half, only got it down to like 13 at one point. Um, they were just no match for Memphis on Sunday um, because, you know, I, I, it was it was interesting. Memphis out-rebounded them again. It was the same, kind of a similar formula to the first win at Houston. They out-rebounded them, a team that doesn't usually get out-rebounded. They out-rebounded. And then they forced a lot of turnovers with their pressure. The Houston guards uh, really uh, didn't really didn't uh, play well, and I think that a lot of it was due to the pressure Memphis put on them. Um, Houston just looked frazzled by the whole environment, which was, you know, which was a great great environment. I mean, it wasn't every seat wasn't full, but it's it one it sure sounded like it, and it was you know basic it was an announced sellout, but there were a lot of people in there, and the the Tigers gave him a lot to cheer about and it was just a, I think it was all just overwhelming for Houston. Um, some of my favorite moments, I, I particularly, I loved every time Alex Lomax would come in from behind and swipe the ball from a Houston player. Like it, he's got, he, he was really good at that in this game. I think he ended up with five steals that, that underrated, uh, enjoyable thing. And I think the, the behind the back pass from Alo to Tyler I, I love that for the three pointer in the first half. That was a uh, that was a great sequence. Um, wh- what about you? What what was your? Um, I guess when you when you took a step back and looked at the way they played in that sort of high pressure cooker environment where you felt like you know you needed to win the game. Um, there's you know it, it wasn't like Houston was Houston art. Houston didn't have nearly as much to play for in the sense that they'd already won the conference tournament. Or conference title, they are the number one seed, and they're safely in the field. Memphis was not, and we it's debatable. You know, some people would say still isn't totally safe in the field. Um, we'll get to that in a second. Um, but they had a lot of pressure, and they performed really, really well. Arguably, their best performance of the year. Um, what does that say to you about this team? And and I guess what we're what was your? Did you have any favorite moments from the game? What were your impressions? 
favorite moment of the game was the behind the back Alex Lomax to Tyler Harris uh, sequence that you referenced. I mean, like to me, that's that is, you know, that should go down. That should be, you know, like like everybody loves a good dunk and and all that good stuff and a, and a, and, and you know the high flying crazy stuff. But like that to me just was was a perfect embodiment of how in the pocket this team is right now with with one another like they are they're they're just they're just in sync and like yeah maybe they committed 17 turnovers whatever it, it's like I, to, i've i people by now should know my feelings you know how i feel about turnovers and 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 you know what they mean uh in the grand scheme of things um but yeah like they're 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 just really really together uh, in the pocket and um you know there's that there's the free throws um that i think is has been a very very uh arguably the biggest outside of maybe getting healthy becoming a team that's actually really reliable at the free throw line is it, it might be the second biggest factor in in these last six seven eight games whatever it's been um so, but yeah, no, Sunday, like after Memphis took a 10 point lead in the first half, they go up 19, nine Houston, never cut it, never got closer than eight points and, and getting to that eight point, like cutting it to an eight point deficit happened right after Memphis took the 10 point lead. So basically they never got closer than 10 points. The rest of the game when once Memphis went up 19, nine, it was it was, it was just, it was one for the ages. I mean, you know, you, Penny said it before, like under the circumstances, given the high stakes nature um, of everything that, you know, of all, everything that was, you know, attached to the game and riding on it, like that one, that, that was a very, very special performance uh, by the Memphis Tigers and, and one that should be appreciated as such. Yes. Um, and then afterwards, you have Penny get up on the house mic at FedEx Forum and thank the fans. I thought it was a really cool moment after the game ended. You know, he thanks the fans and, you know, tells them what uh, sort of remarks on the season. I thought, you know, remarkably, when you heard the circumstances of it, where uh, Director of Communications, Michael Schroeder, didn't tell him. Didn't ha- he had this idea in his head apparently before the game, but didn't want to. You know, Penny's a superstitious guy, and he didn't even bring it up to Penny, mention it as a possibility, or ask him if he want if he was interested before the game because he didn't want to. You know, didn't want to jinx anything. And um, so then after the game ends, he finds Penny at, right after the handshake line. And asked him if he wants to speak to the crowd and the fans. And Penny said yes. Penny decided to do it. And I, I just found like him. You know, I'm just impressed with what he, what he said to the, you know, seventeen thousand plus people off the cuff, essentially right after the biggest win of his career. Um, I, I just found that very uh, cool. Like it's like that's uh, frankly, you know, I mentioned the, the you know some of the moments from the game when I think back on this game, I'm guessing in 10 years, 
I'll probably think about it. I, I'll probably remember first Penny speaking after the game. Um, he said this, I just want to say thank you to you guys, everybody that believed in us from day one when we went through everything we went through. You know how hard it was from the beginning, but man, this feels sweet to be in this position. I really appreciate every last person from the top to the bo- top of FedEx Forum to the bottom, or top of the forum to the bottom. You guys made this happen today. I obviously didn't deliver it as well as Penny. Uh, and <clears throat> I just thought that was a really cool moment and a memorable moment. Um, and something that was, you know, just felt like from the heart, like this is, you know, this team, it, Penny went through a lot this year, probably, you know, probably, you know, up there with as much, you know, up, I'm not saying it's the most adversity he's faced in his basketball career, but it's probably up there, you know, like the knee injury probably ranks ahead of it, but, you know, and maybe like, you know, some of the stuff that happened at the end of the, or- his Orlando magic tenure, and getting, you know, that the getting shot in college, but this has got to be top five getting, getting shot in the foot in college and, and having to sit out, you know, sitting out that year because of academics, like he's been through adversity before, you know, quite a bit of it actually, um, to get where he's gotten. And I would say this rank this season, what he's successfully overcome, um, maybe behind those five events in his life, but it's probably like, you know, one of those you know, signature moments in his life to this point, you know, reach an NCAA tournament for the first time. Obviously he's got goals and aspirations for more, but the way it all happened too, you know, I don't know uh, it, when you think about it, it's uh, it was a, uh, it was a big moment for Penny, obviously, um, as well as the program and the fan base in general. Yeah. I mean, just, I think you're, I think you're kind of hitting it right on the head that like to this point in his not only his coaching career, but just his, you know, his basketball career, whether it's playing or coaching, you know, this this has got to rank up there um, because, you know, everybody knows how much, you know, being successful means to him and how much getting Memphis back to, you know, restoring Memphis to the 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 glory that it it once knew and i mean like you know making the assembly tournament isn't exactly uh you know just like this crazy high watermark or anything for this program this this university of memphis program obviously um but it, it it's been a long time since since memphis has been here and and you know, when you again, when you take into account how bleak things were, um, how th- like the direction that things were headed, um, and then fast forward to this, I, I don't, I, I just don't think there's anybody out there who would have predicted on January 20th after they lost to, after Memphis lost to SMU at home, in a game that was, yeah, I mean, it was competitive, but it 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 was a, you know, it was it was a decided victory for the, for SMU. Anybody who says they would have predicted that Memphis would be in this position uh, on that night is lying. And, um, and so, yeah, I, I, it just, it just points. The point is um, that this is a, this is a very, very big, it's been a big week uh, for not only, for not only Memphis, but also Penny. 
No, and I looked this up. It's in our newsletter that you can uh, subscribe to. Go check. It's on my. It's pinned to my Twitter profile at mgianato. The link to go sign up for it. Me and Jason write exclusive uh, stories and columns and uh, observations there uh, twice a week, sent to your email uh, if you want to sign up uh, for it. The Tiger Basketball Newsletter. But I, I wrote this week, Jason, that um, I looked it up of teams from uh conferences that are considered that i would consider potential multi-bid leagues for the ncaa tournament um the only two the only two other there are only two other teams in the country that have won 10 of their last 11 games and it's arizona and gonzaga okay so that's what Memphis has done here over the last month, how impressive it's been. There's some other teams from one bid league, like Murray State, Vermont, have won a bunch of – Murray State, by the way, has won 20 games in a row going into the NCAA tournament, who Memphis lost to uh, earlier in the year. That that turned out to be, of those four losses in the four-game losing streak, the one that hurt you the least. Murray State's like a top 30 Ken Palm team – or a top 30 yeah, – top 30 Ken Palm team, but a top 30 net team um this year but uh so that's how hot memphis had to get to get to this position and that's worth discussing what position are they in heading into the aac AAC tournament because it depends what bracketologist you you prefer you got joe lenardi who has one link like his one bracket where he's got memphis as an 11 seed and his last four, now it's one of his last four buys. So Memphis and Lenardi's bracket with the Houston win moved from last four in to last four buys. And he has them like as an 11 seed playing Ohio State. You know, there's that. He also sent out a seed sheet in which he lists Memphis as a nine seed. The best nine seed, by the way, right now. So that's a little confusing on Lenardi's front. You got... Jerry Palm, who has Memphis as an 11 seed, but also says that Memphis SMU could be an eliminate. If Memphis played SMU in the semifinals of the AAC tournament, that would could potentially be an elimination game for the two teams. Like one makes it, one doesn't, which is interesting, um, to say the least. Um, oh, but. And then... What? Don't buy it. Oh, neither do I. Um, then you've got Patrick Stevens of the Washington Post, who had the most accurate bracket in the country last year, Jason. He's got Memphis mm-hmm. as a nine seed right now. Matt Oman, right? Is that Dave. his name? Dave Oman. Where's he from? Yeah. He's uh, like bracket, bracket guy the- Dave. Yep. What does Brackettville have? 10 seed, uh, right? Yes, 10 seed facing, I believe. Uh, let me see here. These guys get that wrong all the time, who they're playing. So I don't. I, I care less about that than just they're in the field, you know? Yep, most recently uh, he has Memphis as a 10 seed um, as of this morning. Uh, so, yes, facing USC and Milwaukee. Um, yeah, so, and... and so- Go ahead. So here's what I'm thinking. I I just find it hard to believe 
I know it will look bad if they lose to SMU three times. If they lost to SMU, sure. let's let's put the hypotheticals out there. I know it would look bad if they lost in the semifinals to SMU. And I'm not saying like you know, like frankly, it feels like to me, you lose to SMU in the semifinals. Don't be surprised if you are a play-in game. I'm not saying you will be, but don't be surprised if you are. But I just find it hard to believe when I look at all the resumes, when I look at what Memphis has done compared to some of these other bubble teams. Um, I just find it hard to believe that if they win their AAC tournament quarterfinal game, that they're going to be left out of the field for losing a quad two game or maybe a quad one game, depending on where SMU is the day of that game. Like if they beat Memphis, they could move into the, into, in the scenario, if they beat Memphis, they would probably move in quad one potentially. Okay. So for Memphis losing a quad one game, they'd go, they drop a full two categories, essentially, in Palm's mind. They'd go from last four buys, completely out of last four in, and into um, out of the tournament. That's his scenario he's putting there. And I just find it hard to believe if he truly has them as an 11 seed, losing a quad one game should not do that to a team. Unless there's something crazy that happens in these other conference tournaments and like, five bid stealers emerge, you know, like, yeah, I I mean, I find it hard to believe if they win the AAC tournament quarters that they would miss the NCAA tournament. So, and I think frankly, even if they lose to UCF in the AAC tournament quarterfinals, I'd still bet it'd be, you'd be, you'd be sweating it if you lose in the quarters, but I'd still bet on them getting in. Even if it's to go to date, I tend to side more with, they're a nine or 10 seed right now. Then I say they're, you know, one loss away from not making the field. I think they could potentially be one loss from being sent to Dayton, but that's where I think they are entering the AAC tournament. I'm not a bracketologist, but that's how I feel. Yeah, I'm not one either, um, but I've talked to enough of them and listened to enough of them uh, to, to just, I'm, again, I'm not buying uh, what Jerry Palm is selling there, uh, but mainly because of what Jerry Palm himself said uh, in a recent interview on a on a, a radio station here in Memphis on Sports 56 with uh, Greg Gaston and Eli Savoy. He he uh, they were he he like they asked him you know like what does it mean what what you know like conference tournament results essentially what do those mean and he, he like himself. He said that with very few exceptions, of course, you can't talk in absolutes when you're talking about bracketology because, you know, nobody's in the room with the selection committee. Uh, You know, nobody on the selection committee is talking. So you you can't talk in absolutes, but like uh, almost exclusively, this is what Palm said, almost exclusively the, and I'm paraphrasing, but the conference tournaments are for seeding purposes. They're, 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 yeah. And again, it's not it's not absolute, but but largely they're for seeding purposes. And to say, like again, he said that it does. Like what what happens in a conference tournament doesn't doesn't determine whether you're in or out of the field. So what he's saying now is that's false. He's saying that what happens in Fort Worth to Memphis will make the difference between whether they're in or out. And I don't, I can't reconcile the two. 
And uh, that's why I'm not buying it. I, I think that he's right in the first place when he said that, um, you know, when he said that it's pretty much down to seeding at that point. And I think Memphis has done enough again to I'm like you. I feel like they've done enough to this point to where one a, a, a potential quad one loss, um, although it would be the third one this season uh, to SMU. Uh, it, I, I don't think it drops them far enough. I think that I think they're t- I think they've done too much to get too um, in too good of a spot to fall far enough based on that one loss uh, to knock them completely out of the field. Now, now that being said, I, I kind of like Memphis's chances to win the whole tournament um, with the uh, way they're playing. Yeah. You know, yeah. like I, I, I we're just presenting worst case scenarios here first. They, they could leave no drama about this. Like they, they, they certainly are playing good enough where they could eliminate all drama and win the whole thing. Um, they, again, they're going to get either UCF or USF on Friday night, 8 PM start probably will be later than that. Like eight 30, eight 40, you, you given these tournament settings. Um, but nonetheless, they'll play either UCF or USF. I think you'd rather play UCF. One, you match up pretty well with them. Two, if there is a loss, it hurts you a lot less than playing USF. Even though USF is the worst team, worst team, I'd actually rather play UCF in this scenario um, because yeah. a law, you know, you can beat both of them, and a loss to USF, some disasters, you know, something crazy happens, um, that really that really hurts you a lot. Um, whereas UCF's like top 100 in net, it's only like a quad two loss if you lose to UCF. But like their chances against UCF, even though they lost to UCF earlier this year, they beat them up pretty good when they were fully healthy and uh, playing well. Um, And then it sets up potentially, um, SMU will have to get past either, I think, Wichita State or ECU, I think. think Um, One or the other. Um, I think you want Wichita State to win um, win a game or two here because they're right outside the top 75 in the net. Maybe a couple wins pushes Wichita State into the top 75, and then that road win turns into a quad one win again. Um, but obviously, chances are SMU is going to win that game. And, you know, I think if you're Memphis, yeah, I think you kind of want that game. You know, like you lost to them twice. I, I think Memphis... Memphis should the motivation in this tournament should be to prove you're the best team in the league. You know, you can't definitively say it right now, even though you're probably playing the best of every team in the league, like your peak, what they did against Houston. Like if they play like that against SMU, they're going to win. I think. So real quick correction, Mark, um, if Wichita state is going to become a quad one win again, they have to beat Tulsa, not East Carolina in the first round. And then obviously they'd have to beat SMU um, on Friday uh, to make that interesting again. Um, But so if I'm hearing you correctly, you are, are you, are you making a, a hard prediction here? Is that, are you predicting a, a Memphis tournament victory? I would just say I think Memphis is the favorite to win the tournament in my mind. Like, that's how I look at it. Um, I know they lost SMU twice, but I think, you know, I don't think either, you know, I don't think they played well at SMU and they didn't have their full team here in Memphis. Um, And this will be on a neutral floor. And I think, frankly, my guess is 
there will be more Memphis fans in Fort Worth than SMU fans in Fort Worth if that game is played Saturday. I think it'd be like five o'clock on Saturday. Yeah. By uh, Saturday, that's probably right. That would be my guess. I guess, you know, there'll be SMU fans, but I think there'll be more Memphis fans, but it'll be a neutral court. And, you know, the key to that matchup, I think, is, you know, Kelvin Sampson actually said something about it on his postgame press conference. You know, he said the key to facing Memphis is your guards. And he's, he was saying, you know, he goes, that's how SMU beat him twice. And, he's, and it was in reference to the fact that he thought his guards didn't play well. They didn't handle the Memphis pressure well, uh, Houston's guards didn't. Uh, SMU has, you know, they they play basically five guys under, you know, their starting lineups, five guys who are 6'6 six, six or smaller. Um, so they can, they're, they're better at handling that pressure. And they have a guy in, you know, Kendrick Davis who's you know, probably the player of the year in the league. Um, you know, it was a real, you know, torched Memphis in the last one. Um, even though he's coming off an ankle injury. So if you get that matchup, um, you know, like I said, it's about proving you're the best team in the league. So, uh, but it's setting up to be a really exciting week. Um, and select and a, you know, a selection Sunday that, you know, uh, again, I, I just find it hard to believe it's going to be a sad selection Sunday, Jason. I feel like, yeah. I feel like honestly, we're talking about these scenarios where they might, they might be some doubt. If I had to guess today, I don't know if they win the tournament. Here's what I will predict. We're going to get to selection Sunday and feel good about that. Like we're going to be talking about, okay, what seed are they going to be in 10? Are they going to be in 11? Are they going to be a nine? Have they played, you know, if they win the whole thing, can they play their way, you know, higher than that? I don't know. That's what we're going to be talking about more so than, uh, you know, can't you know, are we worried if they're getting in? Like, I don't think, I don't think they're losing this on Friday. I like their chances again in a third game against SMU Saturday. And at that point, how would you not like their chances in the championship game? Yeah, no, I'm with you. I, I, I do think they win the whole thing. Um, you know, one, one thing that I think kind of got underplayed or maybe lost or forgotten about in the, uh, that, that I'd like to point out um, about that second loss at SMU uh, if you remember, that was that was the third road game in a row for yeah. Memphis. They played at Houston the three and six Saturday. days. Yeah, it was like the the Sunday before, and then they played at Cincinnati Tuesday. That was the makeup game from the ice storm, and then it was at SMU that following weekend. And you know, as well as you could have, you could be the hottest team in the country. Three, three, you know, back to back to back road games. Two of them quad one uh, games potentially. Um, you know, it's not. It's even the best teams are gonna, you know, struggle possibly with with that. And um, so, and and Penny said after that game, uh, he hopes that they see SMU again. So I think uh, we know where he stands on uh, on the whole thing. And um, yeah, you know, I I think you're right. I, I think the AAC tournament is less about uh, proving you belong in the NCAA tournament and more about proving that you're the best team in this league uh, this season. Yeah, absolutely. So it should be a lot of fun. We'll both be down there. Um, there'll be tons of coverage over at commercialappeal.com. 
leading into the tournament and uh, during the tournament and then on Selection Sunday uh, and into the NCAA tournament. Exciting time of year um, <clears throat> for everyone, us, you, the players, the coaching staff. So um, this is this is this is the best time of year for college basketball in Memphis. It's really fun that Memphis is getting to experience it uh, again. Um, so uh, till next time, I was Mark. That was Jason. Thanks so much for joining us. And uh, we'll see you. We'll talk to you maybe in Fort Worth or next week when Memphis is uh, hopefully celebrating an NCAA tournament birth. Tiger Basketball Podcast is a production of the Commercial Appeal.